Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 17, titled, Jesus Will End It. Very good morning to all of you. Welcome to Island Baptist Church. If your first time here, especially welcome to you. We're glad to have you here and uh, believe that God brought you here. Uh, we're studying on Sunday mornings through the book of Luke, and we find ourselves in Luke chapter 17, all the way down in verse 20, working our way through the beautiful, Luke's beautiful story of the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, and uh, the teachings of Christ. And so incredibly important that we uh, leave as many as possible stones, un, uh, not leave any as much as possible uh, stones unturned. So we find ourselves uh, shifting gears here from the story of uh, ten leprous men with nine uh, not ever coming back to say thank you, all the way turning around Jesus speaking about his kingdom, his coming kingdom, and the occasion is uh, the Pharisees, actually. Uh, we, we say a lot against these guys, and there's a lot to be said against them. Uh, but one thing we have to be thankful for is they, they, they kept bringing up new stuff. And uh, as they brought it up, Jesus would, would discuss it and would teach on it. And uh, uh, they would always bring up the wrong side of things. And Jesus, of course, would correct them and, and bring us uh, all together uh, in the right direction. And one of those teachings they believed in was the teachings about the kingdom of God. They assumed that they were in it because they were Jewish. Uh, they didn't see their sin. They didn't think they were sinners. They didn't see Jesus needing to die for their sins. They didn't see, uh, I guess they had a, the mentality when they get to heaven, heaven's going to be a better place because they're there kind of attitude. And uh, God, of course, has a massive problem with that. But, but uh, they, they were looking forward to the kingdom because they were ready for the Jewish coming king, which the Bible does predict. The world's going to be ruled by a Jewish man. Did you know that? It is going to be a one-world government. It's going to be ran by a Jew. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to build a bridge because that's the way it is. Because that's what's happening. Jesus came as a Jew, not as an American or a Canadian or anything else. He came as a Jew. He died as a Jew. He resurrected as a Jew. He ascended to heaven as a Jew. And today there's a Jew on the throne of God. Are you okay with that? Even if you're not, we're, we're pressing on. But that is the way... That is the way the Scripture teaches, and we're to take the Scriptures as they teach and not make them into something else, which is one of the, brings us back to our point here about these uh, Jews who thought they were just in. They'd make the Scriptures say whatever they wanted to, which meant, of course, they were going to design a, if they're going to design a religion, you're going to design a religion which you're going to be in heaven, of course. You're not going to design a religion which you're out. So if you're designing one, you're going to design one where you're in control and God has to do what you want, and that's what they had done. And so it brought up the topic of, of uh, the kingdom of God, but in fact they were standing in the presence of the king and didn't realize it. So how, how bad can you be when the, you're asking for the kingdom of God, the king's, you're asking the king that question, they don't even know he's the king. Uh, how, how, how mistaken can you be? We live in a world, incredibly important for us to understand this, that is mistaken about the truth. They just simply don't know it. We live in a world in which the Son of God himself became a man, in a virgin's womb, and only people that knew about it had to be told. The creator of the universe comes to his creation, and we don't know it. So what does that tell you about anything that's being communicated to you today that's quote-unquote the truth or what's really happening? Pay no attention to it. It's really not what's going on. The things that matter are the things that God. So listen to what is Scripture. Shape your mind. Let them shape your worldview and the way you see things. And so critical. Here are examples of guys who didn't do that. And uh, Jesus points out how badly they missed it. Verse 20 of chapter 17. 
Having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered and said, the kingdom of God is not coming by signs you could observe. Apparently they, they had missed it. Nor will you say, look here or look there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The king is standing, speaking to them. And those who are coming to Christ and trusting him as Savior, they're the kingdom. It's the way the kingdom is today. The kingdom was started right there. And if you're a part of this kingdom, if you've had a personal encounter, if you have not had, I should say, a personal encounter uh, with the Savior, it's not enough to know that he is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That will absolutely benefit you none. You'll be held responsible for your knowledge. But until he's your personal Savior, it does not benefit you. So you'll be an educated person in hell. What good is that? I can't find any benefit for that whatsoever. If you're going to know he's the Savior, you need to confront him as Savior. Say, I need you to be my Savior. Have you done that? I, I, can't, I need to be rescued from my sins. I, I repent of all that I am and all that I've done. Have you done that? Because that's the call of Scripture upon your lives. You do not get to design eternity or heaven the way you want it to. You're not going to make your deal with the big man upstairs, as some people say. That's not going to work out for you. So you have a conception about where we're headed and it doesn't agree with what the scriptures say, I'm sorry, uh, you're, you, you could be eternally mistaken. That's not a place you want to be. These guys certainly were. So they were totally mistaken about who the king was and how to get into this kingdom and who was a part of the kingdom. And Jesus goes on to speak to his disciples further uh, about more. So they were more talking about the physical kingdom. Jesus says, listen, the spiritual kingdom's already here. And, and of what good will the physical kingdom be for you if you're not a part of the spiritual kingdom? You'll be on the wrong side of it. Because it starts with the heart of men, the heart of ladies, who commit themselves to, to, to the only Savior, who know they can't be forgiven or, or their sins can't be dealt with any other way than the blood of Christ. That's where the kingdom of God starts. That's how you get on the right side of things. And then whatever happens in the physical kingdom, which is definitely coming, then, then you, you're, you're set. You're, you're in a good place. Because so, you don't want to be in the wrong place. Because listen to the way Jesus describes this coming physical kingdom. The day shall come when you will long to see the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see them. These days are great days. You're in the presence of the King, and the King is here, and Jesus comes as the announcement that the angels made right to the, to the shepherds in the fields, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yeah, first coming. Second coming, uh-uh. Totally different. Complete polar opposite. They will say to you, look here, look there. Do not go away with them or run after them. Or if you have to be told about Jesus when he comes back, then it wasn't Jesus. For just as the lightning, here's what it'll be like, when it flashes out of one part of the sky and shines on the other part of the sky, so will be the Son of Man in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. But then he's coming, right? What's holding him back? We'll see. And this is what it'll be like when he gets back. Just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying business as usual. They were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as it happened in the days of Lot. Same thing, business as usual. Nobody realized what was really going on. Don't look to the world for what's really happening. Don't look to the world. They don't know. They can't know. They won't give you the correct... They'll give you information, but you can be sure of this. It's not correct. Because the world in the days of Lot and the world of the day of Noah had no clue... What was about to happen to them? Pay no attention to what the world says. They can't know. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planning, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Wrong set of news they were listening to. 
it will be just the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Very informative. Pay attention. On that day, let not the one who is on the housetop, whose goods are in the house, go down and take them away. How serious must it be that I can't even go back to my house for my stuff? Likewise, let not the one who's in the field turn back. Don't go back. Remember Lot's wife, he says. Whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life shall preserve it. I tell you, on that night there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken. It's not a good thing, though. They're not taken to a good place. And the other will be left. There will be two women grinding in the same place. One will be taken. Not, not good. The other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. Not to a good place. The other will be left. Answer said to him, they said to him, Where, Lord? They had no concept it would happen to them. Somewhere out there with the bad old evil Gentiles, the sinners, we can't imagine it happening to us. Jesus says, oh, 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 yeah, he quotes them a proverb of the day, which basically says it's going to be a wreck everywhere. And that proverb says like this, where the body is, there also will the vultures be gathered. It's not a party. It's not going to be fun, as which they were looking forward to, to today, to, to, to the return of Christ. No, it's going to be a really hard time, especially if you're on the wrong side of things. And so, so we come to one of many New Testament places where Jesus deals with his second coming, his return. And he deals with it even though it's his first coming. He hasn't even left yet, so there, he, but he's answering questions about the next time uh, he gets back. And nothing more mysterious raises more questions than, than has to do with when the Bible talks about things that haven't happened yet. People tend to lose their brains over that. Some, somehow those, those passages, like we just read, turn into something different than the rest of Scripture. And what I mean by that, I just simply mean they, they apply a different uh, metric to it. The rest of the Bible is literal, but this has got to be something really weird. Oh no, the same rules that apply to everything else in the Scriptures applies to these predictions. Because when God is speaking about something that hasn't happened yet, He's speaking about it as if it had already happened. The same way He speaks about the past. And you can talk about your past with accuracy. I can believe you unless you're just trying to lie to me. But you were there, right? You saw it. You experienced it. And you can tell me about what happened. Well, when God speaks of the future, he speaks about it the same way you speak about your past. He knows exactly what's going to happen. It, it's just a matter of fact. I can predict the future. I wouldn't trust. I don't, I don't by the way, because I can't even tell you what's going to happen this afternoon. But I can try if you want to follow me. I can tell you, by the way, we're selling the bridge. Did we tell you that? <laughs> we're, we're selling pieces of the causeway. They're cutting chunks off of it. And we're selling pieces of the causeway. Did I tell you that? $100,000 a piece, put, put the check in my name. <laughs> I mean, if you want to listen to a liar, I can lie for you. You, don't, you get me talking about the future, you can be sure I'm lying because I have no idea even what this afternoon holds, neither do you. So, so it's amazing to me how we'll hear what God has to say who doesn't predict the future, he just tells you what it's going to be. It's just a matter of fact. And yet we listen to him as if he's one of us. He's not one of us. He's speaking, he's just simply laying it out how it's going to work. This is how it's going to be. Hear him. Again, we apply a different, a different uh, 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 theology to, to his second coming as if, but, but actually the, the pattern, the, the template for his second coming is his first coming. What, what happened in his first coming? The Bible, over 300 predictions of Jesus' first coming in the Old Testament. How did he fulfill them? Almost 100% of them literally. He predicted that he was going to be born of a virgin. Everybody said, well, that, it's not going to be literal. Well, what? <laughs> It was. It predicts that he was going to die and resurrect on the third day. They had no concept. It can't be literal. I mean, the Son of God is not going to do that. The Messiah is not going to, that's going to happen. 
They were wrong about that. It was literal. Almost 100% of the prophecies of his first coming were literal. That's the template that we lay over the top of his second coming and all the prophecies that you may think that it can't be literal. Well, let me just say this to you, no offense. You have way too high of opinion about what's running around on the left side of your right ear and on the, the right side of your left ear. <laughs> Neither you nor I are that smart. To have, if you, you can't tell me what's going to happen this afternoon, but you're pretty confident you can tell me what's going to happen in the future as opposed to what God has said literally. Yeah, you got way too high of opinion about what's running around between your ears. Let him say, and what he says, take it for what it says, because he means exactly what it says. But again, we raise these questions about the future and all these unknowns, and there are plenty of them. Like, who, who is the Antichrist? The Bible says there's going to be one. Who is that? What's this government going to be like? What's this one world religion, this one economy, and all these things, and what's the mark of the beast, and exactly what that, what that all is? We don't know, and, and let me just say this to you. We need to be happy of the things that we can know. There's a lot. But also be happy of the stuff that God has not informed us about. It's okay. So he gives us what we need, and he keeps from us what we don't need. Let him be God. You be his servant. You be his child. Be happy. We need to be absolutely happy of that. So we can't be certain of, there's a lot of things that we can't be exactly certain about, but we can be certain about certain things in particular. We can be certain how it's all going to end. And it's going to end with the return of Jesus. Earth as you know it. The existence on earth as you know it. Our economy, our political system, even our geography to a certain degree is going to be changed forever by the return of Jesus. There's going to be a Jewish man who rules over the whole world from a throne in Jerusalem. Are you ready for that? Because that's exactly what the Scriptures teach. I know the world's not teaching you that. You say, well, maybe they're right. I'm telling you they're not. They've never been right. They're not going to be right. They can't be right because of the position that they're in as opposed to God. The Scripture teaches very clearly that Jesus' return is going to be literal. It's going to be physical. It's going to be bodily. He's going to come back in the same way, the Scripture says, as he left. Here's the angels talking to the disciples on the Mount of Olives. Jesus just ascended into heaven. And they're saying, what are you standing here looking around for? And the same, this same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Even, even down to the clouds here. Coming with what? That's how we left. Literal. What are clouds? Have you ever seen one of those? Nah, don't, don't try to make it something it isn't. Let it be what it is. Coming with the clouds, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So you have the Revelator, book John, and you have uh, the book of Acts, both quoting, at least in part, of what Daniel had been saying for now 600 years. Behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. How's he coming? Again, it's literal. It's physical. It's bodily. We can be confident. We a lot of things that we aren't totally sure about. We certainly don't know when it's going to happen. And we don't know all the hows and the whos and the antichrist and all that stuff. But we can be certain of one, one thing, what? The world's going to end with the return of Jesus. There's a lot of, lot of words out there going on and being thrown out. Oh, this is going to happen and that's going to climate change and global warming, ozone destruction, asteroid impact, nuclear war. None of that stuff, guys. I'm not saying any of that couldn't happen necessarily. That's not how it ends. It ends with the return of Jesus. And that's why Jesus is warning us, and that's the reason why he tells us the things that he does. And so we, have, we can pull from this five words or six words that help us understand 
uh, the things that Jesus is teaching here. The first thing he teaches us about his return, that, that it's going to be visible. Look at verse 23. It's going to be visible. How so? Like lightning is visible. So lightning flashes on my side of town. Do I have to call you and say, hey, lightning's flashing on my side of town. Did you see it? I mean, of course, you, even if you weren't awake, you saw it. I don't know if you've ever been laying in your bedroom with all the windows shut and your eyes shut, and when it flashes outside, guess what? How did you see it with your eyes shut? Well, because lightning's just that way. It's super bright. They will say, it's, you know, they will say it's, it's, you know, come look here, look there, do not go. Jesus says, listen, if someone has to tell you that I'm here, it's not me. It's going to be universal. Uh, again, our, 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 our key verse emphasis mine, every eye. How many eyes do you have? So if they have to tell you, if they have to show you, Jesus is saying, pay no attention. Because that's not what my coming is going to be like. Completely, completely different than his first coming. He had to tell everybody. Adam, Adam I mean Adam and Eve. Mary and Joseph. <laughs> my story's mixed up. Mary and Joseph, had, they found out the hard way, right? I mean, they're having a baby. But the shepherds, so the Son of God comes to the world, nobody knows that they have to be told. Yep, that's the way it was when he first came. The, 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 the wise men, however many there were, they had to be told by Daniel centuries before, and they would be paying attention to those scriptures and looking for a star. And when it came, they believed it. They had to be told, though, didn't they? No one else showed up. Because the world, listen, when the real news happens, the world never knows it. Mark it carefully. Whatever is going on, whatever really is happening, you be sure of this, the world does not know what it is. And I know I'm, all, I'm famous, or famous, I don't know what that word is. I'm well known for saying stop watching the news. Because, unless it's just for entertainment purposes, but, but really, truly, uh, there's nothing on there to see. It's not what's really going on. What's happening is in the kingdom of God. What's happening is happening through His churches. What's happening is a global event in which God is reaching people and bringing them into his kingdom ahead of time so that they're on the right side of things so that when all this thing comes apart and every eye sees him, then uh, the world can be ready. So it's going to be visible uh, in every way. And again, it's not going to be peace on earth, goodwill to men. That was his first coming. The second coming will not be like that. Polar opposite. So number one, it's going to be visible. Number two, it's going to be conditional, verse 25. But first... Here's the conditions. He must first suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, speaking of the Jews. Of course, we know that's a matter of history now. He suffered, died, resurrected. He was rejected by the Jews. He's still being rejected today. But here's another part you don't know, or maybe you don't know. Scripture teaches it everywhere. He has to first, before he returns, be accepted. His return will not precede his acceptance by the Jews. Now, his acceptance by you doesn't necessarily mean he's coming back anytime soon. But I'm telling you, when you see the Jewish nation turning as a whole... Back to Christ, you go to Israel with us today, you talk to the average Jew today, they're atheists. They're atheists. They certainly don't believe in Jesus. That will not last. That will change. In fact, until it changes, Jesus isn't coming. This, this, these events that we're reading here, the nature of these events, there's not chronology here so much. The nature of these events will not be taking place, but the Scripture does tell us very clearly, here's, here's a book you don't read very often, right? But you need to, because every word of God is important. And here's a little verse that seems so small and out on the side, but it is critical. Notice it teaches such a, clear, such a clear doctrine. Here's God speaking. I will return again to my place, which tells us what? You had to have left your place to return to your place, right? I will return again to my place till... So that's a conditional statement. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to, I have left my place, and I'm going to go back to my place in heaven, and I will stay there until, what does it say? They acknowledge, these are the Jews, their offense. Then they will seek my face and their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. In fact, it goes on in Zechariah and other places to tell us even how they're going to respond. I will pour out on the house of David, that's Jews, right? The inhabitants of Jerusalem, Jewish. The spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me whom they pierced. They will mourn. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. Conditions of Jesus' return. We're not talking about Jesus' return for the church. We're not talking about the rapture at all. I'm assuming that you know about that stuff. Maybe you don't. Uh, we don't have time for this kind of conversation. I'm sorry. We're going to run through this just like Jesus is. We're going to do it one here just a couple more hours, and we're going to be done. And <laughs> should have ordered, should have put that pot roast on. Um, no, we're going to run through it just like Jesus. Jesus says this in a matter of 15 minutes. We're going to probably take longer than that. But uh, have dealt with this. I have. Our church has dealt with this. 72 sermons of, of uh, teachings of the book of Revelation. 15 or 20 sermons of the book of Daniel, both critical to understand this time. If you want more details, not just if you want, I would say you need more details on this. So the whole issue of the rapture, uh, him coming for the church before uh, the time of tribulation, how long the tribulation lasts, all these details which are important, they're in your scriptures. What's in your Bible, you need to know it. So oh, I'm not into that prophecy stuff. Well, listen, there's a whole lot of your Bible that's prophecy, like 80%. So you're just exiting out 80%? You need to know it. God's given it to you. Know it. The stuff that you can't know, let it go. But you can know details like this, even the way the Jews are going to respond. And, and they have to respond like this before Jesus returns to the earth and the kingdom is established here, this physical uh, kingdom that's being, being referred to here. Their return is absolutely monumental. That is of the Jews. Monumental because you've had a, a nation who killed their king, right? Set him up, hung him up. And even after his resurrection, have ever since for 2,000 years been denying those things. It's going to be crucial, monumental, critical, their return to Christ. And it's also going to be crucial and monumental for the very last of the end of the days because two of these Jewish people, two of their prophets are going to be prophesying for three and a half years during those seven years. And the remainder of the three and a half years, you're going to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists fanning out all over the world. Ministry is going to be so powerful. Again, I refer you to my 72 sermons, chapter 7 in Revelation. Ministry is going to be so powerful, literally millions upon millions of people come to Christ of every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's going to be a very amazing time of return to Christ, even though it's going to be an amazing time of, uh, of judgment at the same time. So, so his return is conditional, conditional upon the return of the, of the, return of the Jews to their Messiah. And number three, it's going to be Unexpected. Verses 26 through 30, as unexpected as the flood of Noah was. Nobody believed Noah. Noah's up on a hill building a boat for 120 years. That's a long sermon, by the way. A couple of hours won't hurt you. 120 years, wow. 120 years, this old guy and his sons and his wife and their, their wives are building this boat up on a hill. And nobody knows what he's doing. And he tells them every time because God's going to flood the earth. And did they believe him? Was it a mistake? Because always the world doesn't know what's really going on. They never do. Don't go to the world. Don't listen to them. How can, a, how can it be possible if we're children of God when we accepted Christ, but before that we were the children of Satan? How can it be possible that a group that is the children of Satan bring true information to you? They're not capable of it. They're not capable of it. They're not capable of bringing you the truth. They're in the darkness. So, so unless, other, than information, other than entertainment purposes... 
I would suggest to you not to waste your time with the news. Because the news is here. The news is here. God is, is teaching us. This, this is where the world, world is going. So it's going to be unexpected. The world will not see it coming. They have ne- the most important events that God has brought about, the world has never seen it. And they will be the lesser for it. I can, I can assure you of that. The parallels between the flood of Noah and the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah are strikingly informative about the return of Christ. couple, three things, four things. Number one, it will be times of unrestrained evil. Without referring, uh, going to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm sure you're familiar with what happened there. It's a bad place. Horrible place. Two angels show up to get Lot and his family out, and the men of the community show up to rape these two angels. Wow. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so it will be in the days that we're headed to. Days aren't going to get better, ladies and gentlemen. We're not headed to brighter days. It's dark now. Enjoy it like it is. Normal is is a setting on the dryer, as they say. It's got nothing to do. We're not going back. We're headed forward, and forward is down. We're headed down. Jesus predicts, predicts it that way. Same has happened in the days of Noah. Remember how things were in Genesis before the flood? The Lord saw that the bigness of man was great and on the earth, in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is where we're headed as a society. It just is what it is. Jesus is telling us today is an unprecedented, unrestrained evil. Number two, it's a day in which the righteous will be pulled out first. So again, we have these two, these two examples, these two uh, templates of when and how God judges. How does he judge when it gets to this stage? And then what he does is before he judges, he pulls out those that belong to him first. So before the flood comes, what happens to Noah and his family? They're stuck in an ark very safely. But before the fire falls from heaven upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens to Lot and his family? They're pulled out. So again, these are templates that tell us what's happening in the future. What's happening is is God's going to be pulling his people out ahead of time. You want to be a part of that group. The way you get a part of that group is not by coming to church, even though this is a great place to hear about how to become a part of that group. But, but you have to come to a place like this, or, or you have to listen to what we are telling you, what the Scriptures are teaching you. You have to be correctly related to the Savior. So you know the Savior's people, and I would say you're better for that. But you're not good enough when you step out of this life. You have to be right related to the Savior. Is He your Savior? Is He yours? Just because He's mine doesn't make Him yours. You personally have to deal with them. You've personally sinned and broken God's rules and rebelled against them. You have to repent of those things and turn and say, Jesus, I, I can't save myself. I, I can't rescue myself from an eternity separated from you in a place called hell. And you can't. Until you acknowledge those things, then you're, you're on the wrong side of that. You don't want to be there. So, so judgment is coming, and it's coming after uh, the righteous are pulled out. It's also coming after and only after all of those who were, everybody gets warned. So Noah preaches for 120 years. Like I said, it's a long sermon. Lot and his family have been living in Sodom and Gomorrah for a long time, representing uh, uh, the presence of God. Likewise, the, the end doesn't come until the witnesses and the 144,000 of Jewish evangelists spread the gospel. God is gracious, not willing that any should perish, but many will. But it'll be because they won't listen to what God has to say through those he's sending. And then the end, of course, is the same with all in all cases, the, as it was in Sodom, as it was in the the uh, Noah's flood, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Devastation and death will be the conclusion of it all. Tough stuff, right? For sure. Fourth word, his return will be revealing. It will be, verse 31 through 33. On that day, let not one who is on the housetop 
whose goods are in the house go down. Make sure your heart isn't set on your stuff, because it could be bad. Likewise, let not the one who's in the field go back to get his stuff. What does he say the next? Remember Lot's wife. What did she do? Remember the story? So they've been called out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're walking away. Don't look back. And then she does. And she pays for it. Because why? Her heart was still set back there, as bad as those cities were. And we have the same tendencies, don't we? It's going to reveal our hearts. We need to be so careful what our hearts are tied to. Here's a warning from John. Do not love the world or the things of the world. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Not a place to be. Not a place to be. If, if, if your life on this earth and the stuff of this earth means more than what's happening after here in the presence of God, wow, you've got some problems. You really do. And they could be eternal if you don't get them straight. So, so first, a fourth thing is going to be revealing, and then a fifth thing is going to be divisive. Jesus' return is divisive. I don't know if you know this. Jesus was a divider. He wasn't a unifier. Did you know that? His own words. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. Is that what you thought? Think again. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. What was he talking about? So, so you're in a house of people who are unbelievers, but you become a believer in Christ. You automatically... So, so I'm now preaching the gospel to my family, and they don't trust me. They don't believe me, because that's what happens. He separates us, because that's what happens. Is you have to decide for yourself. Your mom and dad can't decide for you. Your wife can't decide for you. Your husband, your children, nobody can. But your decision sets you in another kingdom than where they are. And it's automatic division. Jesus didn't come to make us all feel warm and sing Kumbaya by the campfire. That's not his purpose. His purpose was to come to bring the truth. And honestly, guys, the truth is divisive. It divides between those who like it and those who don't. You've got to decide where you're going to fall on that. It's divisive. The word here, and he goes on to talk about how divisive it will be when he comes, not just spiritually divisive as it is today, but especially physically divisive. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life shall preserve it. I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed, and one will be taken, the other left. There will be two women grinding in the same place, one taken, the other left. Two men in a field, uh, one taken, the other left. These are the word taken here, the, the, the reference here, and I know we've been taught differently than this, and I'm going to go diametrically against some of the stuff you've been taught. The context is not the rapture. I know we've been taught that. I know I was taught that. I just say an honest, uh, hard Bible study would tell you this is not talking about the rapture. It's talking about judgment. Taken not to heaven. Taken in judgment. So if I have two and I, and I lose one, what have I lost percentage-wise? 50%, right? Notice in every case this is, this is a decimation to 50%. Now, I point that out because it's critical in the Bible. Actually, again, back to my 72 sermons and 15 or whatever sermons in the book of Daniel and 72 in Revelation. Because we go through that when we get to Revelation, you see that there's two different times in which God's going to judge the entire planet and it's going to be on a decimation level. For one, one, it's going to be decimation of one quarter of all the population dies. And then after that, the remainder are going to be judged again and one third of the whole population dies. So I start with the original number and I take one quarter from it, and then from that remainder take another third, I wind up with, you do the math, with exactly half. It's exactly the same thing Jesus is talking about here, 
50%, again, the, the emphasis is not so much on the 50% as much as it is this personal relationships, these intimate settings. Two in one bed. Two in one kitchen. Two in one field. Every other person. You say, well, sounds like he's trying to scare us. And I would say, you got that right. He really is. He's not trying to scare you about something that, you know, that isn't actually going to happen. No, he's just simply stating how it's going to be. And yeah, if you're not scared yet, you need to be. You really do, because the final, the final word here, the final thing that Jesus describes here, uh, the, the, the way to describe what, what's happening here is uh, the word deadly, and that's basically the description he gives here in verse 37. Where, Lord? They think it's going to happen somewhere else. All the Gentiles out there, they're going to be wiped out, and it's not going to be for us Jews, the sons of Abraham, right? We're the children of God. Oh, no, not if you're not rightly aligned with a, with a king. They were rejecting him. No, he says where the body is, there also will the vulture be. It'll be bad everywhere. That's what that means. It's just going to be nasty everywhere. That's just the, they, were, they were a colloquial saying, a proverb of the day, saying it's just bad everywhere. There's just bodies and vultures, right? And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, of n certainly not the, the happy and bright story that they thought would be the coming of the king. Uh, we, we had, uh, we've been through a lot here as a world, as a nation, as a, as a people, as a globe, the past uh, three years. Uh, anybody know anybody that passed away due to COVID? Uh, I know a bunch. It was really sad. Uh, who wanted this? Uh, people rocking along doing fine and then come down with something like this. And we have, as a globe, I think our numbers are somewhere around 6 million, maybe a little over, who have died due to COVID-19. Very sad. But also very, very eye-opening. Uh, here, I don't know how it was where you were, but I know down here in the original stages, the first year or so of COVID-19, we, uh, we had huge problems. Uh, there were so many dying so rapidly, they had to bring down refrigerated trucks to, because they couldn't process the bodies fast enough. Couldn't open up the graves. Funeral homes were backed up weeks, sometimes uh, months. You had to, you know, you can't die today because, you know, we don't have room for you kind of thing. Sad, very sad. Uh, but it's interesting, as, as overwhelming as that was, and six million is a horrible number, but compared to our current world's population, which is 7.8 billion, it's on, only 0.078%. Jesus is predicting, I shouldn't say predict, because that's what I do, that's what you do. He's telling us what's coming for the future. 50%. Every other person. What would that be like? We have no concept whatsoever. Every other person... So, so what's a good description of that, exactly as it gives you here? Where the bodies are, there the vultures will be gathered. Again, why is he telling us this? Just scare the pants off of us? Absolutely. Scare the pants right off of you because what's coming, what's coming is nothing like anything we've ever experienced. And God is trying to tell us so that we're not on the wrong side of these things. Not wishing that any should perish, even though many will but that all should come to repentance. We have a choice to make. We have, we, we, we have, he, he doesn't have to tell us this stuff. It, it, if it had me, if I'd have been God, I'd have been so mad at all of y'all, I would have never told you anything. I'd just sit back and watch. <laughs> See, I should have listened. Get all mad and all full of myself. God's not like that. God loves us. God desperately wants to give us grace. 
and mercy, hangs his son on a tree to pay for our sins so that all those who trust him will not have to perish but have everlasting life. I mean, you can't do more than he did. You can't demonstrate love greater than he demonstrated. But, but at the same time, it doesn't stop what's coming. God is not going to let this keep going. The lies and the deceit, the domination of the devil and those who belong to him, God is going to bring an end to it. And when he does, it's going to be something else. Make sure you're on the right side of things. And ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Where do you stand with Christ? The Son of God, not making predictions. Speaking of the future as if it were the past. Telling us how things are going to be. It's going to be scary. It's better to be scared now and get our lives right now than to wait till then when there won't be a chance. Do you know the Savior? Have you trusted Him personally? Have you turned to Him as your only way to God? The only remedy for your sin is the blood of Christ, taking away our sins, making us right with God, paying the penalty for the things that we've done, guaranteeing us a home in heaven. God has done everything to reach you. Will you let Him reach you? Thank you so much, God, for uh, the message that Jesus has brought to us. Help us to understand it, but most importantly, help us to apply it. You tell us these things, not just to scare us, but to scare us to the place of repentance, to scare us to the place where we come to you and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, in need of grace. Thank you, God, for caring that much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.